right, good evening, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Across the Tracks podcast. And uh, we are, oh gosh, halfway through January and a couple of weeks left. And look up, man, it'll be Black History Month again. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good evening and welcome, welcome. Yeah, it's that yeah, time. Well, yeah. So um, we're back again. And like I said, I'm Wayne here on the scene. And I'm Steve. So we got several topics that we're going to talk about this evening. Um, there's been some some shakeups in the NFL that we want to discuss. Uh, we want to talk uh, briefly about uh, the Civil War <laughs> and the uh, America's president during the Civil War, the president of the Union, that is. Uh, the NBA deciding to um, let somebody go for doing bad things at Target. And um, uh, the Republican Party wants to um, impeach damn near everybody. Yep. And the uh, Secretary of Defense is um, top on the list. And then we just just finished um, Martin Luther King holiday on Monday, which was actually his birthday, yep. January the 15th, and we'll discuss uh, his impact on um, on America, too. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into this this coaching carousel. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll kick it off because from my understanding, some of the the the, the big big coaches are leaving the game. Or leaving their team, or just deciding to, um, you know, choose something else to do. Right, right. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the college ranks first, and talk about Coach Nick Saban uh, leaving the University of Alabama. He's re- retiring from the um, the gridiron after so many years of. Um, being around uh, football, I'm sure he's always going to be around football. But he decided um, a week after national championship game, or really the day after the national championship right, game, right. he says that he is retiring. And my take on his retiring is was pretty simple: is that uh, this season he had little fun. Um, he um, lacked the enthusiasm going into the playoffs. And I think he was just tired. I mean, the man's over 70 years old. And, you know, I think he wanted to get on with his life and uh, dealing with the pressure of winning another national championship. I just don't think it was in his heart. Yeah, and yeah. we had mentioned before that, you know, even in the uh, semifinal game when they played Michigan, is that he wasn't that fired up about players making mistakes and coaching making mistakes and so on. I think he had um, resolute that he was going to give it up even during that game. So he wasn't wasn't that fired up because I I feel that he he was he was had made his mind up that. This was it. And he just wanted to enjoy, you know, the last game that he was going to coach at the University of Alabama. Right, right. Yeah, at some point, I mean, you know, you can't go on forever. And uh, the game has changed, man. I think we've seen that. The game has changed, especially college sports as a whole has changed. And I think that was part of his decision. Uh, to walk away that that the game has changed man especially with uh, with nil going on name image and likeness uh, going on and the kids having the opportunity to to make tons of money uh, licensing their name and and endorsing certain things and whatnot I mean it makes uh, it, it makes coaching someone who's making a lot of money uh, it makes it a, a difficult uh, difficult difficult thing to do and uh you know, he's an old school guy, man. And uh, I think a lot of guys like that as uh, 
couple of the other guys we're going to talk about, they're old school guys, man. And, and a lot of those old school principles that, um, you know, we grew up on, um, some of those ways, the players today, man, they, they just don't, uh, they don't register with those. So I think that had something to do with it as well. But, um, as we said before, man, we throw the word around, we throw the word legendary around, and I would say that uh, Nick Saban is legendary. I'd put him in the category with the Lombardis and the the Landrys and and those types of guys that uh, who made their mark on um, on football. Uh, and he was in the pros. He coached in the pros too. So, uh, yeah. what is it? Six six uh, national titles. Six national championships. Alabama and uh, yeah. one with LSU. So. Yeah. Um, legendary man uh in the annals of alabama football history uh, he his name is going to be immortalized from now on so uh but I, I think times you know the time comes when people realize you know it's it's maybe it's time to go do something else and so far nothing has been said when he wants to coach again he he retired so what does that mean retirement means different things to people these days you know but uh, definitely a legend that has left the game, the college game, and um, he will be remembered, man, in the in the annals of Alabama football history from this day forward. No, college football history in, in general. Just, yeah, fo- know, football six history. national yeah, championships, and I mean the the national championship game or the new format of the game uh, started with his championship, and right. this yeah. is only the second time since that. Uh, tournament that those those games started that Alabama wasn't in the final game. Right, right. You know, right. so you know, you mentioned the term um, old school. Yes. Well, I was cruising uh, Facebook a few, probably a few months ago, and someone had a picture of Tom Landry, <laughs> and then someone had a picture of Miami's new coach. You know, him wearing. You know that sweatsuit with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, skinny jeans, skinny sweats, and so on, yeah. and says, you know, Landry, this is what coaches look like, and this is he's kind of snickering, and this is what coaches look like now. Right, right. And you know, normally on Facebook, I I don't respond, and I didn't respond this time. But the first thing I thought in my mind, I wanted to say, show me one coach. In the NFL today, there's 32 teams. Mm-hmm. Show me one coach that's wearing a coat and a tie. <laughs> Show me one. Yeah, none. Because no coach in the NFL wears a coat and a tie. Nope. The last nope. one that I remember that wore a tie was John Madden. Yep, yep. He wore his sweater and 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 the tie. <laughs> and a tie. And a tie. You know, and so we're talking that was. The, the early '90s, because yeah. I think Art Shell became the the uh, head coach after Madden, and it was yeah. you know, yeah. I mean that's times have changed, and yeah. as you mentioned, college sports has changed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Saw some guy pull up in a Lamborghini on his signing day, a Lamborghini. Yeah. This is a kid that's just leaving high school. Yeah. Signs. His letter of intent, I want to say it was with, um, oh, it was a big, it was a um, SEC school, mm. and he pulled up to the signing in a Lamborghini. Wow. Yeah. So, it's, you know, uh, these yeah. kids, the kids yeah. today, they're not, they don't, they're, they're at a point now where they don't have to listen to the coach because before they even sign, before they even put their first foot on the football field, you know, now with naming rights and all that, they're making millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And so now a coach has to deal with that. But there's, there's one thing that they they also have to deal with. Unlike the NBA, Football, you have to stay until your junior year. Right, right. So that's the only caveat 
that they can hold over those kids. You know, you think you're going to the NFL, but you know what? You may not make it here. Right, right. But I can go someplace else, and somebody else right. is going to welcome them. So right. it's a catch-22 regardless. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now, so, um, you know, this, this transfer portal business, I mean, you know, kid, I don't like playing here. I'll go transfer somewhere else. I mean, I mean, it's 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 like the conversation we've had numerous times here on these airwaves. It's like certain aspects of not just the college game, but the pro game, pro athletics, period. It's like there's something different about it, man. There is no um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's like people don't want to stick it out, you know, and, and stick with it. And, uh, they don't want to be held accountable by the coach. And, and I mean, it's, it's just, it turns you off, man. Um, and I, I know we're, we're, we got two other individuals to talk about, but I was, uh, I was, I taped a recording uh, on Monday, uh, on MLK Day, because I was watching um, some of the NBA games that were on. And I taped a show about George Gervin. It was on uh, NBA TV. And I was sitting and watching that show. And when George Gervin came into the pros, this was, this was before uh, the NBA and the ABA merged. He was playing for the Virginia Squires. And at that time, that team not only had George Gervin on, it had Julius Irving on it as well. I mean, they were loaded. But the ABA wasn't making a lot of money. And so the decision came to trade, they had to lighten the load of a financial burden. They made a decision to trade George Gervin to the San Antonio Spurs. And soon thereafter, the ABA and the NBA merged. Well, during that time, George Gervin, he's 6'7, weighs about 180 pounds. <laughs> He's playing power forward in the in, in in the NBA. And the coach made a decision to move him to the two guard. And people were like, why is he moving George to the two guard? And even George himself, he said, I questioned the coach. He's like, why are you moving me to the two guard? And what was the coach's reply? Because that's what I'm telling you to do, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there was no no pushback from George about it. And he made in that 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 video that that probably saved my career. You know, him making the decision to move me from a forward position, a power forward position, because I was six, seven to a two guard. And he said that prolonged my career. But the coach told me this is where I want you to be. OK. And I don't think any coach now can tell a kid that and have that decision stand. Because as soon as the coach makes a decision, the kid's going to say, screw you, I'm transferring, I'm out of here. You know, and you can't build a I personally, I can't build a relationship, especially with any of the college basketball teams, because none of these guys stick around. They don't like a situation, they're out, or it's one and done. Or it's, it's different, man. And I think Saban said, you know what, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And that that's what hastened his departure from the game. So roundabout way, but uh, a lot of this, I think, is about accountability. Accountability is a big part of this, too. Right. Right. You know? Okay. So. Well, Coach Saban, is, he's, he's retired. He's, uh, he, we will not miss him because he's going to be paid by somebody to be an analyst. Oh, absolutely. You know, so absolutely. he may even has he may even have his own show and stuff like that. I mean, some people do that. So, yeah, we he, haven't he heard will, the last of him. And he's, no, he's still no. a young man, even though he's in his early 70s. Right. 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 Now, yeah. he, he will still be on the scene. You can bet that. Yep. All right. Let's let's talk about the next coaching um, change. Yeah, and that is uh, the guy that was um, up in your area when you were up in the great northwest. Yeah, yeah. That's Pete Carroll. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on him uh, being moved to? Um, yeah. Um, out of the coaching position. Yeah. Big, big uh, sad day for Seahawk Nation, uh, for sure, um, because he's been the most successful coach they've had. 
um, won the Super Bowl uh, when I was up there. And then uh, they come back the next year, uh, Super Bowl again with the Patriots. And the call that was heard around the world, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, having you're on the, what, one or two yard line. You got probably one of the most greatest running backs in, in the history of the NFL and you choose not to give him the ball, you try to throw a pass, it's intercepted, and the Patriots win the game. You would have been a two-time Super Bowl champ. So he will be remembered for that just as much as he will be remembered for you know, winning that previous Super Bowl and the games, the great run they had uh, as an organization. But um, I think it's still a sad day for Seahawk Nation. Him, uh, the, He and the organization decided to part ways. He didn't retire. Uh, he'll move to the front office. Um, I think that can be it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing because the regime that comes in now, the fact that he's still in the building, uh, that could be a little um, uh, what's the term? That could be a little probably irritating for the new regime that comes in, the new coach, the new staff, whatnot, because this guy, legendary coach is in the building as an advisor. If you're going to part ways, I think you make a clean break and you move on. You go find something else to do. But um, it it could make it sticky for the next regime that comes in. Uh, but definitely uh, a legendary coach won a college championship at USC, came to the Seahawks, had a great run there. Again, Super Bowl champion. Uh, beat the uh, beat the Denver Broncos when I was up there. Peyton Manning, the Broncos, and then came back that next year again. They were one run yard away from being two time <laughs> Super Bowl champs, and you throw a stupid pass. So there were rumors swirling about why that was done, whatnot. None of it was was uh, you know ever proven to be true. But what that decision did it pretty much uh, started the downfall of that team from there because uh, the Legion of Boom pretty much was dissolved after that. It was a slow decline to their dissolvement. Um, Russell Wilson ends up getting traded. He's here in Denver now. Uh, but that team just start, started to fall apart after that decision. And, and it's I can get it. I get it. I, there was a lot of animosity around that decision. But uh, he's moved on. But I think if you're going to if you're going to make that decision to part ways, then you need to part ways and find a new residence to take up uh, where you're going to hang your hat versus still staying in the building. So that's my take on Pete Carroll. Yep. Yeah, he's a very enthusiastic coach. Yep. Uh, I think the players loved him. Uh, He loved football. And as you mentioned, once that team was broken up and. You know, Wilson was having some issues more. I think Wilson's issues were more uh, related to his focus on football as opposed to him focused with his wife and his family. Yeah. I think they became a a big priority and his game slipped. Yeah. And um, Seattle said he's not producing like he used to produce. He's not training like he used to train. He's slowing down. He can't get away from people. So let's let him go. And, um, of course, Richard Sherman, all those guys left. Marshawn Lynch left. Mm -hmm. And the team fell apart. You know, they're they're literally a team that you don't even think about anymore. Nope. Okay. And um, Pete Carroll, they, they basically said, hey, we the time has come. And um, he's he's left the field and he's going to be in the front office, probably bored to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, that's 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 the way things go. The NFL yeah. is is a business and it's not a game anymore. It's nope. entertainment, you know. So the game has changed a lot, but it's it's more entertainment than anything else. You know, so. Yeah, that's where we are. Um, yes, sir. The, the last coaching uh, change is uh, New England has decided to part ways with uh, Coach Belichick. And it was a mutual decision. I think that uh, 
Mr. Kraft, Robert Kraft, wanted to get rid of him. But after six Super Bowl victories and nine visits to the Super Bowl and 18 years straight winning the literally winning the AFC East because it was so awful, (laughs) uh, it wouldn't be a good sign to, you know, fire him. So they decided to um, have a mutual uh, agreement to to leave for him to leave, and he's going to be coaching somewhere else. He's only 15 games away from setting the all-time record for winning, being the winningest coach, and therefore um, somebody will love to have him as a coach. Now, a lot of people think that him going to Dallas would be a logical transition. Mm. Well, I personally don't think it would be a logical transition because – Belichick would want to control the draft picks. He wanted to be the he wanted to be the manager, uh, the um, manager, and the coach and right, the right. GM. The GM is what I meant. And uh, Jerry Jones is not going to let him be the GM because Jerry Jones is the BM. Jerry Jones is, you know. He's the Dallas Cowboys, so I think that they would bump heads quite a bit. Unless, and I heard this from someone the other day, is that that's perfect for Belichick. Let Mm -hmm. Jerry Jones do all the talking and just let him coach. Right, right. I don't see that happening, but someone said he's perfect for the Cowboys. (laughs) All he has to do is coach. Yeah, I think I heard that as well. I think I heard uh, some of the commentators say that on some of the early morning sports shows that uh, yeah. this would be great, you know, because Belichick don't like to talk. Jerry Jones loves to run his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some some people have gone far to say, you know, the problem with the Dallas Cowboys is Jerry Jones. He is the problem with the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, it's akin to sort of like uh, – Remember back on the what was it the BET Awards back in the day where the East Coast West Coast beef started and Shug Knight said hey if you wanna if you wanna be on a record label with a with a record where the owner of the record label ain't in the videos and that's all, come down to death row so this it's mm-hmm. sort of like uh, if you wanna be you know a coach of the team where the owner ain't on the TV all the time on the radio. Now, I, I personally don't think that's a good good thing for Belichick. I, I to me, they would bump heads, man. They would bump heads. Uh, they mentioned that uh, he has to go somewhere. A lot of the uh, commentators agree he has to go somewhere with a quarterback or a proven quarterback. Now, Dallas has that. Uh, Chargers have that, you know. Uh, but he's interviewed. I think he interviewed with Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta right now. I don't know who the quarterback for Atlanta is right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, hey, we got to give the man his due. He's he's a six-time Super Bowl champion coach. Uh, longevity there in the in the New England, the Boston area. Um, had had TB12 in the mix for all those championships, and uh, as soon as TB12 leaves. Your season start uh, starts to slide a little bit. Hasn't had a winning season since TB12 left. So uh, did that have a lot to do with it? I say yes, <laughs> because as soon as Brady leaves, he goes to Tampa Bay and wins the Super Bowl the next year. So people are going to throw that in the mix. But still great coach. Again, legendary. Uh, I put him up there with, uh, with some of the other greats we've mentioned. Uh, but uh, they, like you said, mutually agreed to part ways, and we'll see where he lands, man. Uh, he's in his 70s, too, so uh, we'll see who uh, who makes that move and brings him on board. Yep, yep. That's it is it. going That's to be it. interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a turf war for his... Um, his expertise, I'm sure. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, so, a, lot of, a lot of coaching openings, um, you know, with, uh, I think, what is it, seven? Seven, seven coaching openings? I think one of them, the Patriots have already identified his replacement. So, 
So uh, they've already got their person. Yeah, they already got their person. So there's still some vacancies out there, and uh, you know things could heat up even more once uh, once these playoffs are over. And uh, depending on what certain teams do, um, you know there may be some more vacancies coming. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of turf wars, let's talk about um, the Civil War. The Civil War. And um, we're going we're going back to the um, recent history. We had um, Cheeto Jesus, <laughs> Orange Julius Caesar, the the former occupant of sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue come out and said that he could have negotiated an end or stoppage of the Civil War and felt that Lincoln could have done that as well. Mm-hmm. Lincoln should have negotiated an end of the before the hostilities broke out. He should have negotiated that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. what the hell could have Lincoln done? Right. Your thoughts. Right. Right. Yeah. Again, one of his outrageous statements that he is he's the only person that can fix anything that's wrong. And, uh, you know, he's a blowhard. And and, I I don't think he listens to himself when things come out of his mouth, because there was nothing Lincoln could have done to renegotiate the Civil War. Um, It was what it was. And it was all about slavery. And uh, he was not going to dissuade anybody from getting off that that notion. This this is what we want. So, no, there was no renegotiating the Civil War. It's just him being a blowhard, making another stupid statement that he cannot back up. And anything else he says about he could stop the Russia-Ukraine war in 24 hours and that other stupid stuff he said, he, he talks out of his ass. And uh, it doesn't have a, a clue about history as as we know it. Um, he, he's just a blowhard. So I, I leave it there, man. He, he's that's who he is. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, he's that's so he full is. of himself. Yeah, yeah he yeah. thinks that he could do he can do anything. He can do he everything. Can do, yes. Uh, he's he's perfect. Yeah. You know, he's he's the. Um, the end all, the be all, uh, everything he does is perfect. He never does anything wrong, and everybody's after him. Right. And it's his opinion that Lincoln could have negotiated an end to the war. Yeah. Well. Like, yeah. 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 So you you have you have that you have him making that dumbass statement that uh, you know possibly the Civil War could have been renegotiated. To one of his opponents making a statement that, well, you know, the Civil War was just about government wanting to do things their certain way. And instead of telling the truth that the Civil War was about slavery. So the next day she tried to backtrack and, and, and cover her ass by, by, you know, finally coming out with a lukewarm response to that. And then yesterday, she makes another dumbass statement that America is not a racist country. It's never been a racist country. And (laughs) we're like, really? Um, That's not what my history books tell me or not any other books that I've read tells me that America was never a racist country. Uh, Let me see. Um, Some people mentioned today, if America wasn't a racist country— um, who killed Emmett Till and threw him in that river with a with a cotton gin around his neck? Who shot Megger Evers in his driveway? Um, who assassinated Martin Luther King and why? I mean, this lady is off her ass. You know, um, I don't know if you're playing for an audience or what, but. This country has always had a racist bone in its body, and it probably always will. So I don't know. I don't know where she's coming from with that or who she's trying to appeal to with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And this is a person that some people believe should be the president of the United States. If you don't know history, you don't know your own asshole. 
Right, right. You know? And um, you just you just can't you just can't do that. No, you can't. You no, can't I be. Can't. You can't have. You can't be dumb enough to make statements like those from those two people. But maybe and people 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 will support them. I don't get it. I I yeah. don't understand. Yeah. yeah. How you can support stupid. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, she, she said that th- there's America hasn't been racist. Well, some of the people that support them are racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, they if, can't, she, if they she can't look in the mirror. Right. And if she, <laughs> and if she if she believes that America has never been a racist country, uh, then. Explain to me why a young white kid walked into a church in your state, in Charleston, South Carolina, sat amongst nine black people and shot them while they had prayer service. Explain that to me. And then you, in your infinite wisdom, after the fact of that, you decided to take down the Confederate flag from your state house. But America is not a racist country. So where are you coming from with this? Um, And I think a lot of this, I don't don't think these people are that stupid. They're playing to a certain element of society. And if they feel we can get these people backing, then that's going to elevate us to the level of power that we're seeking. I think that's it. You can't be that stupid, man. She she is not a a 20-something who hasn't been around. She has been around long enough to know, and being a person of color herself, when it suits her to identify as that, she should know. She, come on, you're not that stupid. You're not that stupid. There's one thing that's missing. She is a person of color. Mm-hmm. She only becomes a person of color when someone asks her right. that she's a person of color. Right, right. You know, back in our days, we used to say people used to pass. Right. Yep. You know, yep. she's just passing. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you somewhere down the line, someone's going to call her out of her name if she gets the nomination. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you. If, if, yep. if she gets the nomination, there's going to be somebody that's going to call her out of her name. Yep. And she's then going to figure out that, Wow. They just called me out of my name. Mm-hmm. That's a racist statement. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> three months ago, there was no racism. Right. According right. right. And and if she, and if she listen, if she listens to anything that uh, Orange Julius Caesar says, she is part of that group of people that he don't want here in the country anyway. Yep. He doesn't want anybody that's a darker shade. He doesn't want you here. Okay, he's made that perfectly clear. So you're in that mix too, whether you whether you want to, whether you think you you are or not. Yeah, you're in that mix because you are a person of color. He don't want you here. His supporters don't want you here. But you keep going around pretending um, that you're a white woman and 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 use your uh, your ethnicity when it suits you. But we know who you are. We know who you are. So uh, go ahead. Keep playing that game. Go ahead. Keep playing. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. what's going to happen here. All right. Yep. Uh, yeah. Speaking the, of games. Yeah. Speak, go ahead. Speak, yeah. No, no. I said the uh, the 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 election season is, is well underway. We've got the uh, had the Iowa caucus on uh, Monday. Folks are off to New Hampshire. Some folks are on their way to South Carolina, her home state, and uh, she ain't got a snowball's chances in hell of winning the nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she know. I think she's probably campaigning to be his VP, um, but I don't think he's gonna pick her anyway uh, because she has. She really hasn't bad mouthed him. She said a couple of things, but she still don't have the courage to say what needs to be said about this guy. And right. uh, until she does, I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her, man. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 
So yeah, anyway, so back to you. We're talking. Oh, we're talking I was about, just going to say that he's <laughs> talking about her playing the game of wannabe. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the NBA. Yeah. And that, how, uh, how um, one NBA um, player got in trouble. You go ahead and take this one. Yeah, I, 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 to me, I thought it was a sad story. Um, I thought it was a sad story uh, that uh, this young man is um, a player for the Washington Wizards, second round draft pick, and um, he was cut from the team because he'd been shoplifting from Target. And I read this and I'm like, are you kidding me? And it was the things he had been shoplifting, um, you know, body wash, um, you know, personal items he'd been shoplifting from Target. And this had been going on. The team just found out about it a few days ago, but this has been going on for several months. And so the organization just, you know, put out a statement that, you know, uh, we are part of this DMV area and and we, we cannot have behavior like this basically, um, you know, tarnishing the representation of our organization here in the DMV. So we have made the decision to cut this young man. So his livelihood is gone. Now, someone else may give him an opportunity, uh, but his livelihood is gone. And now you have a reputation and it would be interesting to see if another team is willing to give him a chance. But I'm like, what are you doing with your money that you're shoplifting? Um, that just, it was sad to me to hear that, man. Very sad. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad to hear that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, how many people have dreamed of making it to the NBA and, and so on. And then even though you, you've made it, they don't give you a salary that literally, you know, you can live on for many years. And, um, you know, you just can't do stupid stuff like that. You know, I could see if he accidentally put something in his in his pocket, his hands were full, he didn't get a basket and so on, put something and forgot to pay for on the way out and whatnot. I can see that. But when you intentionally go there and you shop and you shoplift, you know, you get kind of what you you say for what you what you uh, what you earn. You know, yeah. I mean, you have a, you have an opportunity to um, to build generational wealth, man. With 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 the money that uh, you know, what NBA players are making. You're a second round draft pick. I mean, you you aren't making chump change. Um, you know, Ryan Rollins um, was his name, and you know, second round draft pick. So you 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 are, you have an opportunity. I mean, you had an opportunity. You were on the roster. And you're you're 21 years old, um, you know. Hopefully, you may get a, get another opportunity. I don't know, man. Uh, but some organizations now they're take they're looking at character issues uh, with a lot yeah. of these guys. So this is definitely a character issue. Um, so um, it's it, it's a shame, man, that uh, you know you have you know stooped to this level. And um, he had a contract guaranteed 1.7 million for the season, but mm-hmm. you're shoplifting. I don't know, man. I, that one I don't get. Yeah. And the only the only explanation I come up with is that maybe you got a posse, you got you got a lot other uh, other obligations that are draining your your salary or the money that you <laughs> have, and and you got to resort to uh, to shoplifting to meet your basic needs. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe his posse was working so hard, man, they worked up a sweat, and so he had to go get him some body wash, <laughs> some deodorant. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's sad, man, because, <laughs> like you say, man, a lot of these guys, they get the opportunity of a lifetime. They come out of situations that, uh, I mean, you and I never grew up in, in a lot of the situations a lot of these guys come out of. But, I mean, we never had a lot growing up. But uh, these guys, I mean, the amount of money that's thrown at you when you when you sign an NBA contract, I mean, that's man, you can build some serious generational wealth with that. And now this opportunity is lost to this young man. And uh, again, I hope maybe somebody is willing to overlook this and give him another opportunity. But uh, a lot a lot of these teams now, man, they're looking at character issues and uh, not sure how it's going to play out. 
I mean, with the NBA being so small, you know, I mean, there's there's somebody that's always going to be there to take his spot. Right, right, you know? yeah, right. There's you, always you're a not line. guaranteed anything. No, no. Yeah, if you if you can't act right, there's always somebody ready to take your place. So yep, always somebody there. Guys grinding down in the development league, and and uh, you know they're just they're just biting at the at the bit, man, to to get a chance to come into the big time. And you just gave somebody an opportunity by your behavior. Right. So, yep. Yep. All right. Okay. Yes, well, what's next on the docket here? Let's uh, talk about it. Uh, next thing on the agenda, I think uh, you know we we talked a little politics. Let's let's drop back into that. And it seems like uh, you know folks in Congress, man, they they want to impeach everybody now. So their latest topic is uh, they want to look possibly to impeach the sec def Lloyd Austin, man. I mean he he made a faux pas. Uh, about failing to identify the change of command. He went into the hospital uh, for a medical procedure, which has since been revealed was uh, prostate surgery. And But he chose not to, uh, you know, make that known throughout the chain of command. And so, uh, you know, the president wasn't informed. His deputy uh, was also was informed, but she was on vacation, I believe. And but he did, you know, say, hey, I'm transferring uh, certain responsibilities to you. But the commander in chief was not aware that the SecDef was in the hospital. So, of course, the slightest thing sends these petulant baby ass Republicans screaming like their hair is on fire. And it's like they want to look to impeach him now. <laughs> it's like just impeach everybody. You know, why don't you just make a list and impeach everybody that does things that irritate you the slightest? Because that's what this is, man. They they want to impeach the SecDef. They want to impeach the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security because of, they feel what's going on at the border is his, his issue. They want to impeach it. I mean, just everybody. Biden, I mean, just just impeach everybody. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, man. Well, I think the biggest thing is that they're doing it so that they can say that my guy isn't the bad guy. Your guy's also a bad guy. So that it doesn't look, you know, misery yeah. loves company. Right, right. So they can use that when it, when it gets to the election. They can say, hey, he was impeached, too. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what it's all about. They're yeah. just punk ass. You know, all, we want power and we want some idea to win and keep power. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, <laughs> The good old days are over in which, you know, Republicans and Democrats can go out and hang out and go to each other's bar mitzvahs or birthday parties or go out uh, in in D.C. and uh, hang out together. Those days are over with, as we mentioned before. You know, uh, Newt Gingrich ended that crap with the contract with America. You know, if you're not on our team, you're going to get— you know, um, they didn't say primary at the time, but we're going to do what we can to limit your responsibilities and your privileges in, in Congress. That's, that's right. it. Yeah. We're not going to sign, you know, committees or anything like that. So now it's, it's us versus them. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when we think of us versus them, it's those guys wanting to say that we want to get back at the other guys. Bottom yeah. line. Yeah. So this is all it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I for the life of me, we were talking about that today. It's like I don't see how you can just turn a blind eye to all the underhanded crap that this guy has done. You don't have a problem with any of that, but you can make up imaginary issues to lay at the feet of someone else. But you can't see the reality. And the and the and the heinous crap that this guy has done, you turn a blind eye to that. But you can surely dig up some imaginary dirt on Biden and all these other people that are now your enemies. But you can't you for you whatever reason for the life of you, you don't want to see what's 
staring you straight in the face that the individual that you suck up to every day is a criminal. And hopefully some of these charges, some of these 91 indictments he's got, something's going to stick. And this dude will end up in a jump shoot the same color as he is. You know, mm-hmm. that that's what we can hope for, because he, he is going to destroy this country, man, if he, if he gets the opportunity to return uh, to the White House. But these people, they they we wouldn't be in this position if some of these individuals had the moral courage to do what they should have did right after the insurrection. And that was the House did their job. They impeached him. The Senate, you should have did your job and convicted this fool. We wouldn't be in this position talking about this idiot. You know, yeah. so it is the age in which we find ourselves. And uh, as we were talking on the air, it is scary, man. It is going to be a scary 2024. Yep, you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to our uh, our uh, last topic here, I guess, for the night. And that was we we were talking uh, before we came on the air, Monday was uh, the MLK holiday, um, 2024. Um, you know, we were waxing poetic about, you know, what has, has anything really changed? I mean, um, we're still fighting the same demons that King and a lot of other people fought some, what, 40, 50 years ago. We're still fighting a lot of the same demons, man. And um, what does that say about us? Yeah. um, (laughs) It's amazing that for every step forward we take, we take what someone is trying to take us back two Mm -hmm. steps. Yep. You know, and, you know, just on Martin Luther King Day, there was a a docu-series that came out in the 1960s that uh, maybe the you know, 1970s that was a movie made about um, the march from Montgomery to um, um, Selma. Mm-hmm. And it dealt with Issues that we saw in uh, the Eye of the Prize series. Remember that yeah. that was out? Yeah, yeah, Eyes on the Prize, yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of, this was a two and a half hour movie, literally, that was a docu documentary that dealt with that time period. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think, it brought up these memories of what things were like and how... Um, some people want to take us back to that. You know, some people are looking for individual freedoms and some people don't want to give individuals any freedom. Mm -hmm. They are about taking freedom away, especially the Republican Party. They're about taking freedoms away. Whatever was gained under Martin Luther King Jr., in the civil rights movement, they want to eliminate. Right. They want to take it back. They want to be, what's the old term we used to say, Indian givers. Right, right. Okay. And all the things that were done that was for individuals, progress and progressing forward, they want to eliminate that. Whether it's individually or even business now. now. I just heard that the Supreme Court's going to hear a case about the power of the government to regulate business. Mm-hmm. You know? So what's happening is that they're going to say that the federal government cannot regulate clean water. The federal government cannot regulate fresh air. The federal government can't regulate anything because that's what they want okay those people back in the 50s and 60s didn't want freedom 
They didn't want to live up to the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. You know, they didn't they didn't want citizenship. They didn't want um, individual property being taken away. They didn't want the right to vote. All those things were culminated in the movement. Okay, and and Dr. King uh, wanting to be or was chosen to be that person that was going to be in the forefront. Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, we had talked before, that there are a lot of ministers in Montgomery that could have led the bus boycott. Right. But they were afraid that they were going to lose their status in the community and lose their 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 way of life because they were setting pretty good. They had good reputations. They had established churches and life was good for them. They did not want to possibly stick their neck out and lose it because, you know, the Ku Klux Klan could come by and burn their house down, burn their church down or assassinate them or shoot them or kill them and so on. But there's this new minister that came to Montgomery who was 26 years old. Let's push him that way. You know, he may be willing to do that. And that was the beginning of um, Martin Luther King Jr. becoming the leader of the civil rights movement by basically integrating the Montgomery bus system. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I remember, um, I've watched Eyes on the Prize. You mentioned Eye on the Prize. I, I mean, I've watched it numerous times. I mean, I, I thought about going and watch it again. You know, mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, those were, I mean, we we didn't necessarily per se live through that. Uh, we, 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 we lived through maybe some remnants of that. Um, I think our remnants were, you know, the the old state theater not being able to sit down in the auditorium, you know, having right. to having to go upstairs because blacks weren't allowed in the auditorium there. Um, but um, yeah, we we seem to be determined to allow a certain faction of our society to take us back to a time that was only good for certain people, and uh, it seems we're hell bent on doing that by the people that we keep electing into office. And so someone is asked, I think it was one of the shows I was listening on Sirius XM, someone asked, where's our king today? Do, do we have a king today? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I truly don't know. Um, do we have someone of that magnitude um, today? I, I don't know. I don't think we do. I don't think we do. Yeah, well— your uh, your uh, representative in in Colorado, uh, gun toting, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, concert going, yeah, Lauren Berber yeah, basically she... said that Martin Luther King's dream was about equity, mm-hmm. not equality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Again, <laughs> the, the these people are stupid as hell. They don't read. Again, most people, all they know are snippets. All they know are snippets about Dr. King. They know snippets, and they think that makes them highly educated. But it's apparent you've never read anything in depth about this man. You know nothing about his character. You have no idea what you're talking about. It had nothing to do with equity. Every time he spoke, it was about black people being treated equal in a society that they lived and toiled in. It had nothing to do with equity. Okay, so every time she opens her mouth, she shows how stupid she is. You know, so I I saw that. And then, I mean, people utilize snippets of his speeches, his words to justify what they think is right. And it's like, dude, you you don't you don't know the full context, anything about this man. But yet 
You don't want kids reading books about him. You, you want to make sure those books are banned and all yep. everything. So how are people supposed to learn truly about what this man was about when you're banning the books that can teach people about what this man truly stood for? So uh, it, it angers you at times, man. Every year at this time, you hear these dumbass white politicians using King's speeches, using his words, and they're taken totally out of context because that's not what the man said. You don't know anything about this man. You just got a soundbite and you take his words totally out of context, just like dumbass what's her name did. So uh, every year. Every year we go through the same thing, man, but these people think that they're being so righteous and, and mentioning Dr. King's name. And it's like, man, shut up. You just want to tell them to shut up. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Yeah. So my apologies. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, that's true. My apologies. You don't it, know it, anything it, about him. Yeah, you, you don't know anything about this man. They're and, only interested, and we said this before, they're only interested in making $174,000 a year mm -hmm. and, and keeping keeping that position in in Congress. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And yep. at the State House, everything's so gerrymandered that not much is going to change because uh, Democrats concentrated on the national level and neglected the state and local level. Yep. So now they're in a, the Democrats are in a conjury there that it's going to take decades to correct. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. You I uh, do something. Yeah. I, um, if I may digress for a minute, um, we were talking, we were at some friends today and we, we had, uh, told them we'd stop by when we came back from Ghana and, and, and visit with them. So we went by and we were just talking today and they asked us about how our trip was and whatnot. And, um, the discussion, you know, turned to, you know, it, 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 for us, it was seeing all the historical aspects, um, of that country. And what we found was you see the effects of colonization the remnants of colonization are still there in that country. And you see it on the billboards, uh, the way certain things are done in that country to where the, the black women, the African women, they want their hair straightened. They want their skin lightened. And it's like, what the hell? You know, I mean, this is this is how colonization has seeped into the minds of people generation after generation after generation. We drew a parallel from that to the effects that colonization had on the people in that African nation. Well, the same parallel can be drawn to slavery and Jim Crow to black Americans here in this country. And. I think the Orange Julius made a statement one time. He mentioned the countries that he considered shithole countries. Yeah. And I think he mentioned uh, he mentioned the continent of Africa as a whole, that there were a lot of shithole nations on the continent of Africa. And as we looked around when we were there in Ghana, we're like, hmm, if these countries are shithole countries, it's because America has made them shithole countries by the way they have went in and destabilized situations in those countries that has forced people to live and think a certain way. It's not the people themselves. It's the policies that have made those countries, in his words, shithole countries. And so um, I was setting watching Malcolm X on uh, Martin Luther King Day. I was watching Malcolm X. And every time I watched that movie, I learned something different. And what I learned from watching this movie this time, the scene in which Denzel Washington, who's playing Malcolm X, did a superb job, matter of factly, he's making the, it's the scene where Kennedy is killed and he is talking about the chickens coming home to roost because the violence that America has inflicted all around the world. Now it's taken out one of their own. And he said, he said, America has went around the world 
and destabilize the environments of a lot of places. And he mentioned certain countries. And then he says, yeah, they help oust Nkrumah in Africa. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is that's that's true. That's exactly what I saw when I was in Ghana, that the United States led a coup to oust Kwame Nkrumah because he was trying to bring Africa together and make them sort of like what the EU is now. But he didn't get to do that because if they if they were able to galvanize Africa and bring them together, then a lot of this crap that went on with with the Dutch and the British and the Portuguese coming in there, destabilizing those countries in Africa, a lot of that wouldn't have happened if Africa had had have come together. And so um, I, I just it irritates me, man, that. What we're dealing, the remnants of what we're dealing with now in this country, there's a direct parallel to what our brothers and sisters are dealing with on the continent. And if we're not careful, if folks don't pay attention and certain things take place this year, toward the end of this year, and the regime changes in this country, we are in a world of shit as black Americans in this country. Not just us, but poor people are going to catch hell and a lot of other minority groups are going to catch hell because of the the ideals that certain people have in their minds and they want to see enacted in this country. So I will leave it at that. But uh, I just had to say that because I saw it clear as day that uh, the effects of certain people wanting to inflict their ideals on other people, it's dangerous and it, it drags people down to a level that, to me, is unacceptable. If we are all um, granted certain alienable inalienable rights, then why can't that be true? Why do certain people want to take that away from everyone and only have only a few people have that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I hear you, brother. I hear yeah, you. Yeah. So I just had to throw that in. I. It may have went off track a little bit, but uh, I had to throw that in because I'm I'm like, man, this is it's crystal clear. Once you once you see it, you're like, damn, this is this is this is a direct parallel. And uh, here we go again. And and it's not colonization per se. Now there are other means of making this happen in the in the the way they're gerrymand gerrymandering certain districts to get the power and and they're gentrifying certain areas so people are being kicked out and whatnot. i mean it's 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 the same ideals but different tactics are being utilized yeah yeah power is the uh power is the uh key to uh controlling people Yep. Getting their agenda across. Yep. You know, and and some people aren't going to be satisfied until they can literally take this country back to mm-hmm. colonial times. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I totally believe. So that. afraid of losing, you know, what Rudyard Kipling called the white man's burden. They're right. so afraid of becoming a minority in a country that. You know, this nation's going to change. Right. They're so afraid of it. They'll do anything and everything they can to uh, keep keep power. Right. Right. And right. they don't care right. who they step on. They don't care what they do. All they want to do is to try to control people. And, yeah. and the sad part about it is a lot of these religious people are part of the part of that right. power structure. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Crusading for this. uh, They're crusading for this foolishness in the name of Jesus. And and it's like Jesus would never stand for what's going on here. And they know that they should be ashamed. And they know that. But uh, you're worshiping a different God. And uh, it's that's it's dangerous, man. The game that these people are playing, it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, that's not. A, I don't. I, I would like to correct you there. It okay. is not a game. Mm-mm. It is a plan. Okay. Yep. 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 And I the agree. Plan yep. is just what we talk. They want to control every aspect of this country. 
every mm-hmm. aspect of this country, country meaning they can control every aspect of us as individuals. Right, right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. right. Once yeah, it's again, not a game. I've said it yeah. a thousand times. They're not happy unless there's someone or something to hate. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, I think we always throw a pitch out. I think now's the time to throw that pitch. Folks need to vote. You need to exercise your right as a citizen of this country. Cast your vote and uh, realize that if you don't vote, you're still voting. Okay, if you don't vote, you're still voting. And the results uh, may end up being very painful. And if if those results come to pass, you have nothing to say about, you know, wow, man, things are so bad. Well, you didn't you didn't participate. You didn't participate in the process to see that things didn't go that route. You know, so we we encourage everyone who hears our voices, please get out and vote this year. Please get out and vote. And get your young people out too. Absolutely. Talk to them. Talk. Discuss the the reason that politics happened. Discuss the reason why them voting has a direct relationship on on their future. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, with that being said, I think we've uh, we've kind of run our course for this this evening. Yep. All topics have been covered. And uh, we'd just like to say once again, you know, we're two small town um, guys from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, uh, enjoying what we do on this podcast. And hopefully that will spark an interest or bring something up that will um, uh, allow you to discuss and possibly uh, have a have a, a conversation with other folks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. uh, Just like to sign off with my uh, Italian, Chiliamo Dopo, which means I'll see you later. And I will bid you a fond farewell. Hope your new year is off to a great start. We'll see you same time next week. Next week. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individuals and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.